Listeners, this is uh, James. Um, today we're talking with a very special guest, uh, Mayu Nakamura. Yay! Yeah. Yay! Yeah. So, Mayu, uh, I'll just read briefly from your website, Mayu. Um, uh, Mayu earned an MFA from the Graduate Film Program at NYU. In 2006, oh. her first feature uh, fiction feature film, The Summer of Stickleback, was premiered in the competition section at the Busan International Film Festival. And it was theater. The, uh, theatrically released in Japan. Um, fast forward to uh, 2015, she has made she has worked in documentary as well. Um, and she's worked in documentaries that follow Japanese Brazilian kids struggling to survive in Japan and Brazil. In 2015, she directed another documentary feature, a film Alone in Fukushima, which I believe you're making a sequel for. Um, and then uh, just recently, she had a fiction feature thriller that was released called Intimate Stranger. And there's a, and now she has uh, recently, most recently, which I just watched the, um, uh, she is her, oh, wait, sorry. She is, <laughs> she is me. I am her. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically, uh, a, what's the word? Quadric, quadriptic, quadriptic. Uh, we call it omnibus feature films. Oh, omnibus oh. feature film. Yeah. So yeah. it's a series of four short films all linked together by the performance of Nana Hana, um, the main Na actress. Nana, yeah. Na Nana, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Nana Hana, um, um, and who plays a, a lead role in all four short films or mm -hmm. all, uh, in the omnibus. Okay, yeah, that's it. Um, uh, sorry, did I miss anything, or or, or is there anything else about that? Uh, <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, I met Mayu uh in Tokyo very briefly um through a mutual friend, Aaron Wolfolk, who was mm -hmm. a mentor of mine uh years ago when I won a, a short film uh prize back uh for the 72 hour like Asian American film shootout program, Asian American film lab. And uh, he connected me with Mayu. I, I, I messaged him and asked, hey, is there anyone you know in Japan that's still, you know, in, that's working in film? I'd love to, you know, get in touch with them and, you know, get to know more creatives in Japan. I This is my first time living in Japan. I'm, I'm currently, I've only lived, so I've been in Japan now for a year. And I might I met Mayu at a screening of her film Intimate Stranger. So um so yeah, that's how we know each other. So thank you so much for being on our program today. <laughs> but uh as for yourself, Mayu, you've actually lived abroad for a a good chunk of your life. I uh, I remember reading something like 14 years or so. Oh yeah, yeah. I went to high school and college in London, and then I spent another eight years in New York. And I have a green card, so I go back and forth. Okay. That's awesome. So, where are you going to go? Or where do you normally stay in the United States? Do you normally go to New York? or? Uh, yeah, I have a cousin in New York. Okay. So, and I'm <clears throat> sort of planning to live half time uh, in either New York or LA, wherever the jobs are. Next <laughs> year, um, <laughs> some like, you know, in the future, like next year. Uh huh. So, are you in LA now, or are you? I am. Other? I am. 
I am in LA. Uh, I live in Atwater Village, which is like 10 minutes away from downtown. So oh. when you do come, you know, you can call me at any time. Uh, oh. If you have any questions about LA, <laughs> feel free to message me. Uh, I'm not a greatest driver. And so that's the only thing that oh. I worry about living in, in LA is that you have to drive around. <laughs> yeah. you, you do. Uh, but a lot of younger people now are not driving. They don't, they don't own cars or a driver's license. So they do either Lyft or Uber or they, you know, do the Metro. Oh, that's, oh, Metro. That, yes. that works really, <laughs> like New York. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, not as good as New York and not as extensive as New York, but it's getting better. They're expanding different places. So now oh. um, you can get pretty close to the, to the airport now with Metro, but they have this thing called a flyaway bus. You go from Union Station and you pay like a, a, a nominal fee, very inexpensive, but very they're always on. All, it's like, yeah. It's like 20 bucks. It was like really $20. cheap. $20. Yeah. Yeah. Like $20. 20 yeah. And it gets you to the airport and it's pretty much on time, the flyaway mm -hmm. bus. So mm -hmm. there are different ways to get around it, but it depends on where you need to go, right? If you want to go to uh, Hollywood, there's definitely a train there to go to Hollywood. Santa Monica, I think um, it goes almost all the way to Santa Monica, but uh, mm -hmm. you can definitely find a way to get there. It just depends on where you need to be. If you go, I need to go to the mountains, then I was like, oh, yeah, you, you yeah, have to yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so I'm trying to, right now, like, end is so weak, so <laughs> thinking about my becoming a migrant worker in the States. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Not bad. Oh. I mean, it's good. That's, you know, both places are pretty nice, right? New York has like the metro station and very convenient that way. But LA has like uh, a different scene completely. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you find yourself, where do you feel most comfortable, I guess, is, is um, as far as, mm -hmm. as far as living or just, you know, um, which, which environment or space do you feel most um, comfortable? I, I like mm -hmm. Japan in terms of living and you know, like things are ex cheap. <laughs> yeah. The rent is cheap. The food is good. Everything's the relatively affordable. But in terms of working here, it's a little bit hard. Yeah. Uh, like as a filmmaker, I'm really. It's kind of embarrassing to say, but it's hard to to make a living as a director. You know, to make a. You know, although I'm making so many films that it's really difficult to survive as a director and we don't get very well here. <laughs> do you think it, um, part of it is like uh, the amount of, do you think it's more about the amount of work or do you think it's a cultural thing? Because I, I know that some of my friends, when they go to Japan to work, you know, as women, it gets really tough, right? Versus America is a little bit more, uh, not completely equal, but getting better but mm -hmm. not as like not as strict as Japan in that regard for like man and woman. Do you think uh, it's the amount of work or do you think it's the man woman issue? Ah, uh, yeah, there, it's kind of a bit of both, I think. Yeah. Although we have more women directors, it's a little bit harder for women to to women directors to, you know, get hired as as directors i think male producers tend to tr trust male directors <laughs> more. um yeah that that too and also another factor is not just gender but just sheer fact of um, people you know who kind of exploit people who like 
you know, who are doing jobs that they like to do. Yeah. It's call it like exploitation of love or likes. Oh. <laughs> you know, the, the, just because you're doing the job you like, you don't have to get paid. That's <laughs> yeah. That, that's crazy. That, but yeah. That happens I guess in, in Japan- LA too, um, a little yeah. bit, but eventually it's like, uh, if you work, supposedly you have to do uh, the free jobs to make connections that actually lead to paid jobs. Usually that's the path I've seen in when I was living in LA, especially for technical workers, like people in like um, uh, cinematography, first AC, assistant camera, but for mm-hmm. uh, writer and directors, mm, yeah, that's, I think it might be tougher. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really have, now it's changed a little bit, but for a bigger job, but we usually don't have contracts even. Mm-hmm. If you ask for contracts, like you, it, it almost sounds like you don't trust them. And of mm. course, there are always troubles that crop up after you finish your job and you want to get paid and they want to reduce your salary for whatever reasons. <laughs> oh. That so, happened a couple of times. That's terrible. I, I mean, obviously with the experience, you can say, yeah, I don't trust you because every single time there's always some issue. <laughs> So in that respect, it's it's um, I kind of prefer to work in the U.S. where it's guaranteed to get paid. <laughs> yeah, but I know it's harder to get foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it's more competition. Everything's very competitive. But now I hear that there are more diversity initiatives, so it's becoming easier for like Asian Americans or sort of like you know people of color to get hired or something yeah, I, I think it's so yeah I think Sorry. so yeah yeah I, I think that's true because there are a lot of people who are in executive level who mm-hmm. hire someone for the diversity ex, um, mm-hmm. equity and inclusion so mm-hmm. even my, a lot of the companies have that one person who is in charge of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it should be better. Should be, not yeah. exactly. <laughs> I think yeah, there are programs like that. I I do. I heard recently WB might be removing their program. Um, there's mm-hmm. still a long way to go. I think in that respect, but it yeah, America is like, at least there's like a you know a quota. Like we they like we still need that. We still hey, there's too many white people here. Like we need to hire like uh, someone of color. So like. Mm-hmm. I was arguing with a friend. I was talking to a friend about this and I was like, okay, if you're a diversity harder, higher, like, oh, you're just there for color, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about that? And I was thinking, yeah. you're like the token Asian or token African. Yes. <laughs> I was like, at least it's a step in like equaling the playing field, I guess, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but we so- have a similar issue in like Japanese academia. Uh huh. Or- politics if you like I recently got hired to teach at some university but I see the the faculty list and it's like 10 men and like maybe one woman (laughs) and and it's it's, yeah it's very hard yeah uh, I don't want to tell talk too much about my wife she's a professor she's also Mm -hmm. facing the same issue in where in her current university and her previous university it's everywhere. Um, even I, in the West? Oh, yeah, in, yeah. Oh, okay. So well, here's an example. Um, this happened recently. She was mm-hmm. in a meeting 
uh, mm -hmm. talking about diversity, mm -hmm. but she was the only one of only one. She was like the only person of color. Oh, uh, and right. she was, you know, of the certain age. And she took a pic, a screenshot of the picture of everybody. And everybody uh -huh. else was like older and white. <laughs> yeah, white, one color. So I was like, oh, oh interesting. <laughs> so so it US, does happen. Yeah, it doesn't matter where. I guess it's a similar. But you, you have. But at least in America, I think you can fight the fight, right? I think mm -hmm. in Japan, it's like, it's more cultural. It's like, it's very locked and they don't want to change. But in America, if you get called out for that, you know, for that issue and everyone knows about it, it's going to be everywhere. So right. I think the university will try their best to make it better. Right, right. At least you can fight for it. Yeah. Do, do you feel that way, Mayu? Is, are things maybe changing uh, a little bit or? Uh, they're trying to make an effort to, but uh, mentality wise, I think people haven't really changed. Men and mm -hmm. women think in, on the whole that, you know, men kind of want women to be their handmaids. Oh. <laughs> ah. um, and women want to, you know, to find, I mean, especially like the people, maybe not so much film industry people, but people outside like a woman like always looking for men to depend upon like women in a man who make a lot of money and have so yeah. this blah blah but the um Japanese film industry is changing a little bit like we have more women directors now and a lot of film crew like a female uh film crew but the only thing that I have an issue about uh the film staff like crew people is that we have a lot of uh, good assistants, like a female assistants, like AC, right. and you know, all these assistants, but not anybody in a chief position, like mm. DP. And I guess it's a similar case in, in the States where it's hard to find like a female cinematographers. And so we have a lot of good, great assistants, but like, Woman can be a great assistant, but you can't be the the, the woman on the top. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> for some reason, they they they're placed to in higher women as assistants, but not beyond. Right, the ceiling, the glass ceiling. Yeah, that mm. the glass ceiling. So. so that's what I kind of feel. That feels a little bit unfair, mm. and they will say things like, "Oh, the equipment's heavy." Blah blah, and it's all <laughs> camera assistants, all female, and they're carrying the you know so you yeah. know the equipments for the DP, so it doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah, it's not like the deep the DP is not supposed to be carrying that much equipment, anyways, right? Right, so, right, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, so I, I noticed just from the films that I've seen from you, um, the your most mm -hmm. recent film, uh, Intimate, uh, the she is her. Yeah, oh, she's me. I am she is her. me. I am her. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and and um, intimate stranger. I I do notice that you seem to you seem to gravitate towards outsiders. Would that be fair to say you like to mm -hmm. talk uh, maybe people who are on the fringe of society, oh, like the yeah, people yeah, who do yeah. the um what is it the ore ore sagi the kind of so the ore mm -hmm. ore sagi is like the scams where uh someone's calls like ore ore you know hi it's your your you know distance you know. 
son-in-law yeah or grandson or something and they try to scam older generally older people into into giving them money um Mm -hmm. so there's that and in this recent uh omnibus short films you've talked you've talked about homelessness you talk about maybe these delivery drivers who are trying to you know struggles to survive or these lonely people who are working from home and trying to live in the wake i think that kind of caught my my attention is that you seem to be talking about outsiders and also mm-hmm. that you're talking about it in the present day it's not like oh you know pre-pandemic it's in the during the pandemic and now oh, right. yeah i'm just curious like is that maybe is that attraction to these kinds of stories maybe is that uh does that tie in with maybe your own like perspective on the world perspective or maybe your own upbringing i'm just curious about that yeah oh Oh, should I just like quickly recap what these films about or? Um, sure. Know. Yeah. If, if you would like to. Yeah. 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 So the, my recent feature, the first one, The Intimate Stranger, which premiered at Tokyo International Film Festival last year is about, it's sort of like a psychological thriller about this middle-aged woman who's looking for her missing son and this guy, a young man who approaches her, like pretending to know her son. And they sort of start to live together and start to form this weird uh, mother and son, kind of surrogate mother and son, and almost like a lover's strange relationship. Mm. Um, and the other one, She Is Me, I Am Her, which is my recent film, um, is sort of an omnibus feature about, you know, four different women of different age groups and different backgrounds. And, and I'm basically kind of portraying how women are surviving in the post-COVID Tokyo. So we have like 30-year-old like housewife to 20-year-old, we call it delivery, uh, delivery sex worker. You know, people uh-huh. uh, that you call up a sex worker, they kind of show up on your doorstep. <laughs> sort <laughs> of a sex worker and and 40-year-old uh, blind woman uh, and, and different kinds of women. So I guess I'm interested in, I don't necessarily see them people in the margin because I kind of identify, I, I see myself in them. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sort of not so well-off <laughs> director with this freelancer. So it's, I, I just feel like I could be homeless like tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> so I don't necessarily feel like they're the outsider. They're the, you know, the people that I kind of identify myself with. Mm. And um, also the fact that I mentioned this in several times in Japanese media, but like a lot of the Japanese films not so much like a Western or European or American films, but most of the, the films are about young people, especially young female, young men, and maybe middle-aged men, but not middle-aged women. You mm. know, if you're above 35 and you're a woman, like you really can't be the protagonist of the film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't want to pay. The producers don't want to put money into that kind of film. Because I, I guess the glass ceiling is that although we have a lot of women directors, that a lot of the investors and producers are men 
and usually middle-aged men, therefore they don't want to see a young woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, they don't want to see like a sexy middle-aged man, woman. Especially Japanese culture is all about youth. Mm. Uh, it's not just gender sexism, but uh, ageism is so huge. Yes. You know, people always ask how old you are and and whether you're men or women, and they kind of size you up like, oh, you know, you, you gotta be married and have, you know, have this kind of make certain amount of money and own a house by, I don't know, whatever age. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's that sort of, yeah, I'm sort of always up against this sexism and ageism and, I guess that's what I'm trying to resolve in these films is that trying to cast these women who are almost like neglected in Japanese mm. and shed a light on them because I feel like we're half of the audience in the film industry and a lot yes. of women go watch the film and they feel like we're like absent on screen. Like we don't even exist on screens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and the actresses are all complaining because there's so many good actresses above 35. Right. And they will say the only roles for like good, you know, good mom and good wife. Yeah. And there's more. <laughs> so boring <laughs> for them. So that's what I'm trying to do with my films, I guess. Yeah. I was watching the films with, I was watching, um, she's me i am her um with my with my fiance and she recognized oh it's uh asada miyoko the very oh, famous okay. actress um i i don't know her. i'm not japanese my my fiance is japanese and yeah, she's she, like she's she like uh asada miyoko is like a famous she's in a lot of tv and films yeah mm. so she's like wow that's that's her yeah i was like oh cool yeah <laughs> so she's like i don't know who the equivalents in uh Maybe not Susan Sarandon, who who would be the equivalent, but somebody in the like sixties and famous. Meryl Streep. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> close, close, yeah. Uh, I, I I do find it interesting in your films. Um, there seems to be a little bit of a subversion in the sense that you you feel like this person. So let's say, oh, person A is victim, right? Is the victim, right? But then, and then there's person B is the perpetrator, is the person, the attacker, right? But there seems to be like a little bit of a switch sometimes in your films where mm -hmm. it's like the victim is not really that vulnerable. Maybe the, the victim is not as stupid as he or she yeah. seems to be. Mm -hmm. is, is that fair to say? Is that something you're like maybe uh, trying to convey? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in both films that I deal with this telephone scam, we call the ore ore sagi, this, uh, you know, telephone scam. And usually it's men who, you know, deceives women and, yeah. and older women, like, uh, uh, you know, they, they call up pretending to be a son or grandson and try to scam money from mothers or grandmothers, the women who usually get deceived. So I wanted to switch that, turn it around so they, women pretend to, to be deceived, but in fact, they are the ones deceiving them. Mm. <laughs> so that's sort of what I'm trying to do. And I 
think the ole ole sagi is very, I mentioned in the film, but it's very Japanese kind of a crime because I know their telephone scams happen in the US and other parts of the world, but not so prevalent and not, you know, although the police and media saying like, oh, beware of these scams, but it never dies, it just keeps happening. Mm. And that kind of goes to show how like in this society, especially Japanese society, spoil like men. So I, I think it's unthinkable for Western audience or the Western people that like you're over, you're like 30 or 50 year old and you're in the money trouble, you call up your parent for money. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And they're willing to pay your money. Now, unless you're like a real dire straits, it's like really hard to believe. Mm. But that's so prevalent in Japan. And and it's always men, not women. It's never, I never heard daughters calling for their moms. Mm. (laughs) That's very interesting. But is that like, do you think it's a cultural thing where like if once a daughter is married, to, and then she becomes a part of the husband's family. Usually. Right. Yeah, that's sort of patriarchal. I think uh, the philosopher, a Japanese thinker that who watched this film and we had the discussion and she he thinks it's probably like a remnant of this patriarchal society. Yeah. You said like a woman usually marry into other people's family and men, uh, boys or sons, the ones who protect the family supposed so they, to be right <laughs> they, they they try to protect them yeah. and i guess it's an asian thing it you is know, look at china now like you know men over 30 or 40s are overflowing and they don't have any women to marry <laughs> yes they, you know because of the one child policy and they got rid of all the girls and yes <laughs> they send them away to the states or something and they're like a shortage of women <laughs> well that's what they wanted <laughs> they got what exactly what they wanted and yeah. what they're paying for right now yeah yeah but like they they the so now the one child policies is oh like they they abolished it and they can have more than one child but because of like some people are pointing to like late stage capitalism but basically it's too expensive to have more than two when one kid like in china mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Taiwan, uh, Japan, like a lot of these East Asian countries, Korea. So a lot of these young people are like, why would I have more than one kid? Why would I even have a kid? Like they can barely survive, like trying to get, uh, trying to survive in a very hyper competitive um, environment. So uh, that's, it's interesting. Like they, they're like, okay, China, um, you, you can have more than one kid. And like, no one's like, uh, why? <laughs> like, I, can't af- I can't afford it, you know, like, yeah. Um, so I think for uh, one thing, I also want to kind of talk a little bit, but I, I had read that. So you're from Tokyo originally, but you, you went to school as a child in Kyoto, but then as a teenager, yeah. you went to London. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and in Kyoto, I, I guess you had a not so good time, I, I guess. Right. Or uh, I was, I wasn't living with my parents. I was raised by my grandparents because my father was in the states teaching or something and and my mother was working as an editor in Mm. japan i mean tokyo and um kyoto i I know the kyoto 
everyone loves Kyoto, like especially like international tourists, you know, they, they all think, oh, Kyoto is such a beautiful, wonderful place. It is, yes. you know, it's beautiful, but I, I, I really, you know, as a kid, it was a really hard place to live because it's very, oh God, maybe people who are listening who are, you know, from Kyoto is probably hate gonna <laughs> hate me, but it's very conservative, very mm. insular. And if you're, if you're a foreigner, you're probably okay because they kind of treat you as, you know, foreigners. But if you're Japanese and you're not from there, they, they kind of really pick on you. And, and I had this intense bully at elementary school that really made me, actually made me tough actually, because anything else, else that happened after that in my life was nothing compared to what I experienced in Kyoto. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a very, very difficult place to live. It's very insular. I, I, really don't like it <laughs> i don't recommend <laughs> anybody to live especially your japanese <laughs> uh, they don't include you in the community yeah I, I i i even saw like a youtube video uh, why why japanese people hate kyoto i, I was like mm. what why and i clicked on it but i guess there's um he obviously he's the the, the youtuber is from kyoto so he's kind of like uh, tongue-in-cheek right he's he's kind of joking oh, yeah. yeah yeah but he says, okay, well, yeah, th- he did mention a little bit of that, con- you know, uh, conservative kind of streak. And also, mm-hmm. I guess Kyoto used to be the capital like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a, what's the word, maybe complex, like superiority. So, so like, yeah, oh, yeah. This yeah. Very consistent. I mean, I always compare this, you know, the easier comparison is like Paris. I mean, Parisians really changed after they joined the EU, but, you know, before EU, nobody wanted to speak English. (laughs) And (laughs) they were like, so kind of, I don't know, pompous, not pompous is the right word, but I just felt like, you know, the Kyoto is a little bit like Paris and New York is a bit like Osaka because Osaka is kind of, very loud in your face. Mm. They kind of tell you whether whether you like you or not like you. Mm. So it's very different. Although it's like next to each other. So I always compare it to Paris and New York. Mm. <laughs> Osaka people is like New Yorkers. They're kind of in your face. <laughs> Kyoto people is a little bit like Parisians. They're a little bit, they're very cultured, very stylish in, mm. in that way that they're could be a little bit condescending Uh, the 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 culture of japan (laughs) so from those tough experiences you so you mentioned like and also like living abroad when you're 16 i I can only imagine like how that must have been like as because you i'm I'm assuming like you probably were learning english at the time so you weren't fluent yeah i was in like a boarding school in england so like i was like isolated from I didn't have any Japanese people around. So that wow. kind of, you know, that was good. I had to speak English. <laughs> uh, so from those experiences, um, you did mention it made you tough. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it made you from just look on paper that it sounds like, wow, this person's very independent. Would you say like having to rely, self-reliant, I guess? Oh yeah, I guess, I guess I could really live anywhere in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
but mm. uh, yeah, I guess it made me independent. Mm. Has that? Do you feel like? Do you feel echoes of your upbringing in your films at all, or not necessarily? Uh, well, I think although I'm making films in Japan, I feel like I have a sort of a bird eye view, or, or like that kind of outside view of Japan mm. or Japanese society. Yeah, uh, you know the 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 fact that I thought the Oreo lesagi, the the telephone scams, seemed a little bit weird. Was kind of more of my Western perspective. Mm. Nobody in Japan, like said like, oh, this is weird because they're so used to it. They didn't mm. even have an idea that this is strange. But because I lived outside, and I come came back that. I can point out the good things and bad things about Japan that seem very interesting to me.、Mm. So. That's interesting. Yeah, I I feel like for myself, I'm living in Japan, but、uh, mm-hmm. I I do still I feel still a strong、uh, desire to talk about issues in America. So that's、mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of uh, uh, I guess for me at least to hear. So like maybe it'll get living outside of America is. Might be able to give me some more perspective on some of the issues I want to talk about in America as well, particularly Asian American、mm-hmm. issues. So no, that's that's interesting to hear. Yeah,、um, yeah. I I think for、uh, one thing that for like、uh, your audience, who do、mm-hmm. you feel like seems to connect with, like with your films? Like、um, you've, you've shown in New York, you've shown in different places of the world.、Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. Do you find a kind of、uh, people who come up to speak to you to be like mostly female, mostly a certain race?、Uh, or, yeah, it's interesting because I try to make films for a woman, like you know, over thirty-five or something. But then it turns out, like the the yesterday I had the film screen, Intimate Strangers screened at Nagano, and I went there, and a lot of the film. The audience is actually middle-aged men. <laughs> Turned out, <laughs> who are the fans of,、uh, you know, Asuka Kurosawa, or just simply a cinephile?、Um, I guess women are busy. I don't know. <laughs> It's just、uh, I, 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 I see more men for some reason. Like our, our house, you know, cinephiles, like mostly middle-aged men. <laughs> Strange enough. This is in Japan specifically. Yeah.、Mm. New York is more the like I had the film screen at the New York Asian Film Festival, so it's more it's a different kind of audience. Right. It's mostly cinephiles, but like the Japanese or Asian film cinephiles, which is very different things. You know,、mm. they're not regular Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like I don't want to be like you know condescending or discriminating, but you know that you know they wear this weird Godzilla T-shirt or something. Ah、uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the Asian cinephile. So they they are not the regular American people. <laughs> I don't know、right. what the regular really means, but you know. Right. Yeah. Cool. I guess yeah. You、uh, you have to get going. So any like、um, yeah, Dan, did you have any questions or no? No, no, not at all. Ah,、uh, I. Well, one question: Who do you? Oh, what is there a film that you like go to for inspiration? Like when you're feeling like, 
like Chloe Zhao, she says, every year I watch Interstellar at least one time. Is there oh. a film? Is there a film that you go, oh, I, I gotta watch that? Oh, the film you go back to, you mean? Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Uh, God, so there's so many films that I love, but I don't know which one. Um, well, now I have a poster in my room. It's a Days of Being Wild. It's one of my. Oh, Wong Kar Wai? Yeah, Wong Kar Wai's very early films. Uh, I kind of like it just because I don't know, it's very poetic and. Leslie Chan is always very, you know, magnetic, like, I don't know, I, I'm drawn to him and, and actually the character of Intimate Stranger, this uh, young boy who's sort of like a drifter, is kind of inspired by this character played by Leslie Chan in Days of Being Wild. Oh. And that's why he talks about this, like, uh, this boy carries this, like, a, a blue feather, like a feather of a blue bird of happiness as sort of like a way to, uh, he, he gives it to grandmother who, you know, he deceives to, to make himself feel a little bit better. It's a little bit, it's a bit of a reference to Leslie Chan's character, you know, in, in Days of Being Wild, who's sort of a drifter and always seeking mother's love that mm. he didn't so it's loosely based on that or, or homage to that character. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that. I should rewatch that one. Yeah. Days of Being Wild. I do. I, I've heard in other interviews that you're a fan of like um, David Lynch as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not so big fan, but it's just that for this particular film the intimate stranger i had so many sound effects you know that like a uh, kettle boiling or the ventilators spinning and i i had so so many houses in you know, household appliances <laughs> sound household appliances very prominent in the film and people asked about it and i said you know i was kind of inspired by david lynch's uh, eraser head uh... so I'm not so big fan, but I just had that film in mind when I was doing my sound effects. Right. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and I saw that you're also a fan of Typhoon Club. I'm a, I I. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Typhoon Club is it's Shinji Somai's like a classic about teenager going crazy in the time of approaching typhoon. Yeah. I guess it's very Japanese or Asian <laughs> because anybody who experienced, you know, it captures this like adolescent sort of, a, you know, unstable mental period, you know, coinciding with this oncoming typhoon. <laughs> mm. It's a very strange film. Like I've never seen anything like that ever. Yeah. I, I watched so, it last year and, and I was living in Taiwan at the time. I was like, I typhoon, I understand. Ta Taiwan is like the island <laughs> of typhoon as well, typhoons as well. Yeah. So I was just, yeah, I enjoyed that film. I mean, yeah, that kind of youthful energy, that kind of craziness. And there's also violence in there too. But um, eventually it, it's, I think it has more positive light on adolescence eventually. Oh, but yeah. Um, but it doesn't shy away from some of the darkness of, I guess, um, 
adolescence or uh, coming up. Yeah, it's a little bit like, uh, I think the film is comparable to Edward Young's Brighter Summer Day. Oh, I love that. Oh my God. It's sort of similar in the sense that it deals with this darker side of teenage, you know, adolescent, like a teenage period. You know, it has this, probably not as dark as the Edward Young's film, but it has this similar feel to the film. I feel right. It's an, awesome. another favorite. <laughs> no, that's a that's a beautiful yeah, beautiful favorite. And the or um just last thing, I just or ore sagi. I know in just Taiwan. So my my family's from Taiwan, and I lived there for a few years. Um, there was a I I one time I got a call. I didn't speak Mandarin at the time, but they were like, oh hey you you know something something, you know we have like your daughter or something like that. And I'm like, wait, I don't have a daughter. And they're like, oh, <laughs> and they hanged up. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So they have they have something similar in Taiwan. It's kind of like I think it's like a kidnapping. Like they pretend that they have kidnapped oh, someone. Yeah. They kidnap. That's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. How and, can anybody fake that kidnapping? Well, they it's... they have multiple. They call it zapian jituan. So it's like they have a group. So Jitan means like group. So that it's like they have actors. Like they have someone in the back, like, oh my God, help me. You know, something like it's like it's kind of comical, but it's also like, yeah, it's kind of sad that some people would need to do some people feel like they need to do that for money. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh you have to go. Um, we generally have like a language corner, but we'll save that for next time. Maybe hopefully we can talk again sometime soon. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. you. Have a uh, safe flight. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.